I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. KYW Original Podcasts. Eagles are on a three-game losing streak. They're in third place of the NFC East. They're 3-7-1 after losing to the Seahawks 23-17, and it honestly wasn't that close. Ray Dittinger's on the line to break it down. Uh, Ray, what do you make of the, the offensive ineptitude of this Philadelphia Eagles team? Uh, well, ineptitude is a pretty good way of describing it. They, um, it kind of gets back to what I said um, after the Cleveland game, this, this is an offense that has no identity. It, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. Uh, and until you figure that out, it's hard to be much of anything. You know, they don't seem to really want to run the football. Uh, I mean, and that's certainly evidenced last night. Miles Sanders had six rushing attempts in the entire game. Uh, you take Carson Wentz's five runs, which were largely scramble type runs, out of there. It means they, they ran the ball as a team nine times in the game, uh, and. Uh, so they don't seem to want to be a running team, even though Miles Sanders may be their best offensive player. Uh, and in the passing game, they they just don't have – the quarterback is inaccurate, the line can't protect him, and you have a lot of receivers who can't get open. So, you know, it's hard to, it, it's hard to figure out what they can be offensively when they don't have a single phase of the offense that seems to be capable of – making a first down, much less a touchdown. That, I, I really kind of wanted to use last night's game as a bit of a measuring stick because Seattle came in here with the with the 32nd-ranked defense in football, and, uh, and the Eagles' offense couldn't move the ball or make a big play against the worst defense in football right now. So if you're looking for hope on the offensive side, there isn't much to be seen. So there, there's still five games left. What do you do with the offense at this point to – Try to get something going. I guess, well, one of the things that they, they really need to do, and they keep talking about it, but they don't seem capable of doing it, is getting off to faster starts. I mean, they, this is a team that just um, offensively doesn't show up in the first quarter, and in many cases, not even for the first half. 
Last night was a really good example of that. Again, talking about a Seattle defense that has had all kinds of problems this year. I mean, you're talking about a defense that's given up uh, about 400 yards a game uh, coming in here. And the first five possessions, the Eagles go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. I mean, you couldn't even get a first down against the worst defense in the league. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's on the players because they're not very good right now. But I, I think that there's, you know, you have to put a lot of the blame on the coaching staff because they know the problems that exist out there. They have all week to try and fix it. They have all week to try and come up with a different plan of attack on how to start a game. Uh, just come out with something different, try something different to keep, but to keep coming out and basically kind of doing the same sorts of things, running the same kinds of plays and having the same lack of results. You can blame it on the players for not executing very well, because that's true. But as a coaching staff, you're this deep into the season, you should have some idea of how to figure it out or at least try to do something different. And we saw again last night they don't seem capable of doing that. What did you think of the way Jalen Hurts was used last night? There was all this speculation going in that you know he got more reps during the week with the first team. He saw increased reps. He may get more time in the game. And he played two snaps, one without Carson on the field, one with Carson. He came in. He had a, well, there's a false start to begin. Then he had a six-yard completion to Alshon Jeffrey. Then Wentz comes back in and gets sacked. Uh, and then the other play he was in for was a handoff to Miles that was not very effective. What did you think of the way Hertz was used last night? Waste of time. <laughs> waste of time. Waste, waste of time and on the part of the media, waste of breath. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, if you want to look at it from a media standpoint, at least it gave us something different to talk about all week. Uh, and it gave the fans something different to focus on uh, and maybe gave some people – who might have otherwise just decided I'm not even bothering to watch that game after hearing, hey, Hurts might play, gave them a reason to actually watch. But then to come out and be as utterly ineffective as they were offensively for the entire first half, but then still not use Jalen Hurts any more than he would use them up to, up to that point in the season, uh, just shows you that what, you know, what, a lack, what a lack of direction in, in the coaching staff. They, I mean, again, they just don't know what to do. Um, and I, but I think it's, there's no other conclusion to draw other than the coaches here, well, two things. Number one, um, it's clear that they don't think Jalen Hurts is ready to play because Carson Wentz right now isn't giving you any good reason to keep him on the field. So if they're not playing Hurts, I think the coaches are saying without saying, without, without verbalizing, but they're saying, we don't think Hurts is capable of playing any better which is really an indictment when you consider that Wentz right now is the worst quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and the other, the other conclusion you can draw is after having him all this time and drafting him in the second round, they can't figure out how they want to use him. I mean, because the way they're using him now with, this, with, with these little cameos, these little one- or two-play cameos from game to game, is really it's, it, it's a waste of his time. Uh, and it's not accomplishing anything in the offense. It's only it's only confusing an already muddled situation. So I may be swinging at a fastball then with my eyes closed with this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm really curious. How does a leak like that, that Hurts may get used more, come out in the way that it did, and, and, and in addition to the reports about the increased reps of practice, and then he gets used twice in the game? How, do, how does that... How does that happen? Is there a dis? Do you th- Obviously, we don't know. We're just speculating. But do you think there's potentially a disconnect going on right now within the Eagles? 
yeah, well, I think that's obvious for everyone to see. I mean, you look at them right now, and what's when you see a team that's uh, as and I used the term last night broken uh, as this team is. It, it isn't just it isn't just in one area. When a team falls as far as this team has fallen, and right now is playing as poorly as this team is playing, um, it's 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 organizational failure as much as it is player failure or coach failure. It's everybody. Uh, it's it's the whole organization uh, that is that is right now lost without a compass. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that they started the Hertz narrative, but the, the fact of the matter is, once it came up last week, they you know they didn't know how to deal with it. Right. Uh, and but that's just one of many things they haven't known how to deal with all year. And um, and that's what's given rise to the to the very the very serious questions on the part of not just Philly fans or Philly media, but national media, about uh, what kind of massive changes are coming for this organization. Because you have to assume, if things continue down this path, and there's no reason to believe that they won't, that at the end of the season, you're absolutely looking at major change. Uh, there has to be. Uh, and that raises the question of, okay, what is it? And how far will it go? And how many people are going to be involved? But right now, you're looking at the Eagles, and they're a bad football team, and I think it speaks to a, a bad organization. The other big story from last night was DK Metcalf. Unsurprisingly, 10 receptions, 177 yards. I guess the surprising aspect was, is that, and der- credit to Darius Slay, he admitted after the game that it was on him. That was the worst game he's probably ever played and put the blame on him. So credit to him for, for taking that heat. But I guess the surprising aspect of it is that DK Metcalf was just so dominating against Darius Slay last night. It's not surprising that Metcalf put up those kind of numbers. Uh, The reason this is a story, Ray, and you know this, the Eagles passed on Metcalf in the 2019 draft. They took J.J. Ortega-Whiteside instead. Metcalf had a serious injury at Ole Miss that raised some question marks, but he is... He, he's a star in the making. And last night in his post-game press conference, he said he wanted to make the Eagles pay. And there, then there's the whole Jim Schwartz aspect about how Metcalf said that Schwartz came up to him and said that, you know, you're not Megatron yet. Uh, Schwartz, I guess, clarified or gave his side of the story uh, through the Eagles, through various reports, that... Um, and I was able to confirm it as well that Schwartz was actually complimenting Metcalf and not trying to slight him before and after the game. But obviously, Metcalf still used that as motivation. What do you make of the whole DK Metcalf story last night? Well, he's a, he's more than a star in the making. He's a star, flat out. I mean, he's he's right now he's one of the elite receivers in football, uh, and. Um, He's he's the closest thing. I don't know where I've been comparing him to Calvin Johnson. To me, uh, to me, he's more reminiscent of Terrell Owens. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think I think he's that's what he that's what he looks like to me. Uh, I mean, there's 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 a physical aspect to his play that's uh, that makes him unique among receivers. I mean, there are a lot of really good receivers in football now, and you look at the stats every week, and you see guys putting up big numbers. Um, but to see a guy at this point in his career that is already this dominant, wow. Uh, I mean, last year in the playoffs, uh, when they, you know, he did this to the Eagles then too. Uh, I mean, he just took over that game. In fact, the, his yardage total in that game was a, was an NFL record for uh, for a rookie in a postseason game. Uh, and then he took it to another level in this game last night. And you know, one of the things that the Eagles wanted to do this off season 
was partly as a result of what happened in the Seattle game, that their cornerbacks and their defensive backs got so dominated by Metcalf. That's one of the things that uh, prompted the Eagles to go out and make the trade to bring in Darius Slay and give up a couple draft picks and pay a lot of money to bring in a cornerback that could match up with the big receivers in the league. And so last night was their opportunity to put that to the test. And boy, uh, it was a challenge for both players. I mean, it was out there, and they both knew coming into it the way this was going to play. I mean, Metcalf knew what he wanted to do, and there's no question about that the Eagles were going to put Slay on him the whole game. And and boy, I mean, that was that was pretty one-sided, mm-hmm. pretty one-sided contest there. And you know, Metcalf had uh, he's going to do that to a lot of people because he's I mean he's just that good. Uh, and uh, you know, the Schwartz thing that I, I kind of thought that when I heard. Uh, Metcalf's comments after the game that uh, Schwartz had said to him, "Yeah, you're, you know, you're good, but you're no Megatron." I thought, "Wait a minute, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like something that, <laughs> co- that a coach would say to a, the a pl- the best player on the other team right before the game." I mean, why would you do that? And I, I, I the way I took it was that Jim Schwartz had coached, and I don't know how many people realize that Jim Jim Schwartz was the head coach in Detroit when Calvin Johnson got there and had some of his big years. And Calvin Johnson is, in fact, up for the Hall of Fame this year. He is that good. Uh, so the way I took it was that Schwartz was, was, I thought, was kind of joking with the kid before the game. Was just saying, you know, oh, you're pretty good. You're no Megatron. I thought, I thought it was in that context. Uh, to hear Schwartz's version of it, it was that he went up to him and said, you're the closest thing I've seen to, to Megatron, which is, in his mind, he's paying him a compliment. Well, that's not how the kid took it. The kid took it that, well, you're not as good. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, I'll go show you. So I guess what this tells you is if you're a coach on a team, don't talk to the other team's players <laughs> before the game. Just uh, yeah, just stay on your side of the field. Look, you've got enough problems. You know, I mean, you've you got to coach you got to coach your team. You've got to make your guys better. Before the game, You know, spend all your time trying to get your team ready to play. Don't go over bantering with the other team. Whatever your intent is, I don't think it can go well. So it's it wouldn't be surprising to me if Jim Schwartz regrets that encounter. I guess multiple encounters because uh, Schwartz's side was it was before and after the game. So I guess it was two encounters. Um, so I guess Schwartz it, probably regretting that. I can't put words in his mouth. But Ray, how much do you think that the Eagles franchise is regretting not taking DK Metcalf and instead selecting JJ Arthega Whiteside? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to be. And I, I don't think, I mean, they were, they were regretting it before last night. I mean, all you, all you have to do is you just have to look at what Metcalf is and what, what he has been to this point in his career. And look at J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who you can't even get on the field, even to play special teams. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to be regretting it. And then to have last night play out the way last night played out on the national stage on Monday Night Football, only more so. Um, yeah, I mean, and it was, I, I think that, that that one sort of sidebar uh, in this game, the, the wide receiver thing, um, was very, really kind of shined a very bright light on a lot of what's wrong with the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles have now been trying uh, to find a wide receiver, big play wide receiver, for a long time. Uh, and over the last two years, there's been a whole bunch of them come out of college football and into the NFL and have an immediate impact. Uh, and we've seen them, and we've seen them all over the place, and we've seen them do their do their thing against the Eagles. Uh, nobody more so than Metcalf. But last night on on that on the same field and on national television, 
you had DK Metcalf put on a, a show, uh, and he was spectacular. At the same time, you look at the Eagles receivers, the Eagles wide receivers in the same game, Rager, Jeffrey, Ward, Hightower, Travis Fulgham. Um, the Eagles didn't have a receiver that had a catch longer than 11 yards yeah. in that game. Uh, yeah, DK Metcalf was was make, was catching everything, so it was it was there for everybody to see. I mean, he had, and this was a receiver you had a chance to draft to play that position, and you passed on him, and this is what you're left with. I mean, that sort of that sort of shines a very bright light on one of the big problems with this team is talent evaluation. No, it really does, and and that leads to my last question, Ray. And I've asked you this in many different iterations iterations this season, and I'll ask it in this form: five games to go. Uh, this team obviously not improving, clearly headed towards a, a losing record and not making the postseason, even though they're not officially done. In terms of a prediction, do Doug, Howie, and Carson come back in twenty twenty one? Is Doug retained? Is Howie retained? And do the Eagles? keep Carson and not try to move him in that contract? I think it's going to be, I think the contract's going to make it, it's going to be very hard to move Carson Wentz. Uh, I just don't know that that, I just don't know if they can do it. Uh, I mean, they're kind of, kind of contractually bound to him. I mean, if somebody, if somebody would make a trade, make a trade offer to take him, they may consider it. Uh, but I don't think anybody will. Uh, given the amount of money that would be involved and given the way Carson has played this year. So I think Carson's back. Uh, in fact, he may be the most secure of the three. Um, I still believe I, I still believe that um, that Jeff Lurie really likes Doug Peterson, uh, and, and he doesn't want to let go the memory of 2017 and what Peterson accomplished that year, uh, which was winning the first Super Bowl and doing – absolutely a magnificent coaching job that year. I thought he did. Uh, and although this year has unraveled completely, um, I think that Jeff is, is going to look at it as miserable as it is and as unhappy as he is as just part of what 2020 has represented. I mean, it's just been, it's just been such a crazy, horrible year uh, and on so many levels that I, I don't think that Doug, I don't think that Jeff wants to judge Doug in a year like this. I think his feeling is, look, this was really bad, but I still believe in Doug Peterson, uh, and I'm going to give him – I can't fire him on the basis of anything that happened this year. Uh, I'm going to give him next year to get this thing straightened out and get this team back on its feet. I, I really think that he believes in Doug to that extent, that he's not going to want to fire him in a year like this, although other owners have certainly fired their coaches already. I don't see that happening here. The other possibility is, is a change with Howie Roseman. Uh, I certainly think there's going to be a change in player personnel. I think there's certainly going to be a change in scouting and drafting. Um, whether that means removing Howie from it entirely or whether it means bringing in somebody else to oversee it and actually do it uh, and keep Howie in as part of the equation but not making the final call, uh, I think that's one area that they're going to have to look at and, and change. And whether that means Howie is taken out entirely or whether he's just part of it but he's actually answering to somebody else, of those three guys, I would say that Howie is the one that's probably the most at risk. Well, Ray, five games to go. Uh, next up, it does not get any easier. It is the Packers on the road. Uh, so the Eagles are going to need all the luck that they can get because the Packers may be better than the Seahawks. Uh, thank you for the time this morning, and we'll preview Eagles-Packers Friday morning. Okay, I look forward to it. Take care, David. Take care, Ray. Have a good one. Hall of Famer Ray Dittinger of 94 WIP. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 